Mindfulness Mode 446. Americans at 4.5% of the global population are consuming 75% of the world's prescription opioids, amphetamines, and antidepressants. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode, where you can reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. I'm Bruce Langford, host of Mindfulness Mode. Great to have you with us today. Thanks so much for tuning in again. And if you're new, thank you for being here. Well, before I get on to tell you about today's episode, I want to mention that, you know what? Every episode I ask my guests what mindfulness-related book they recommend. And I have put together a book myself, a little ebook, which will tell you the 12 must-read mindfulness books which are recommended on the show to help you become more focused and more relaxed. And by reading these top 12 books, it can it can truly help you. It's a, it's a mini 14-page ebook, like I said, and it's yours free. I put it together for you so that you could uh, click on each book and, and you can order it on Amazon if you want, or you can uh, go to a used bookstore and see if you can find it there. But check this out. Get your free digital copy right now, mindfulnessmode.com slash top. 12 books and it's yours free once more mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books now today there is so much talk about cbd oil have you heard the buzz have you heard people talking about this how much it's helped people heal certain conditions or you know people have talked about how it's helped with depression it's helped with different things well my guest today wrote the book on CBD oil literally and I found his book to be so informative I mean it it was very very interesting and one of the things we talk about on today's show is a woman who runs almost every morning, and before her run, she decides whether or not she will take CBD oil. And we are not talking about any kind of uh, oil that gives you psychoactive properties. I mean, it doesn't make you high. It doesn't, doesn't change you in that way at all. And this is a misconception that I think sometimes people have. Uh, she says... The woman who does her run every morning, she says, cannabis can increase your ability to be present with your body and to let go of the cognitive stress that's hard to get away from so you can exercise more successfully. So sit back, relax, and learn and enjoy from today's guest, Clee Irwin. Mindful Tribe, we are going to have a fascinating discussion today, at least I am absolutely sure we are, because we're talking about a fascinating topic, which is on a lot of people's minds these days. It's the topic of CBD. It's the topic of health. It's the topic of, oh, so many things that are about our wellness in this world and about mindfulness. But I have with me Clee Irwin, and he's a physicist. He's a well, he's an author because he's he's uh, authored this wonderful book called Pain Nation. So, Clee, it's great to have you with us today. Are you in mindfulness mode? I am. Thanks to the warm-up five-minute talk we just had, it put me into a mindfulness state. 
That's awesome. <laughs> well, I totally enjoyed your book. There's so much to it. There's It's an easy read, and yet there's a lot of depth to it as well. Um, well, let's start here. What does mindfulness mean to you? How would you explain it in your terms? Well, when I'm feeling mindful, as I describe it, uh I tend to have a, a, a higher magnitude or volume of awareness, right? So when I'm really tired or stressed or maybe, maybe when I'm scared, you know, or whatever, uh, it's almost like the amount of consciousness that I have is, is more sparse and it's centered around, you know, some simpler sets of things. Whereas when I feel really relaxed and in a great space, it's almost like the field of my awareness or consciousness kind of just expands out as though I'm looking at everything from a higher altitude and can see everything. Um, so, and that tends to come correlated with a relaxed feeling in my body uh, and a more smooth stream of thoughts as opposed to a jittery jumping around um, so yeah, it's a very mind and body feeling for me when I think about the idea of mindfulness. Well, it certainly is not a good feeling when you start that feeling that jittery, that anxiety feeling, that's for sure. Well, your book is about CBD and it's called Pain Nation, Sick, Stressed, and All Effed Up. And uh, so... As I read through this, there's just so much to know. But let's start with this whole idea about, you know, CBD and and it's you explain at the beginning it has no psychoactive properties. But this is something that is a misconception with so many people, I think, starting right there about cannabis and, you know, like what's the whole deal here? Why does it have no psychoactive properties? Yeah. Well, uh, so the cannabis plant, so to, to, to set some definitions, there's a word called cannabis, a word called marijuana, and there's a word called hemp. So the scientific word for the plant, you know, the genetics species uh, called cannabis is in a cannabis uh, sativa, can, you know, it's a, it's a technical botanical name. Mm -hmm. And then there's a legal term, a pair of terms, and one is marijuana for the same plant, and the other is uh, hemp for the same plant. And so these are legal terms in the law that have nothing to do with science. If it has more than 0.3% THC, which can get you high, then uh, legally it's called marijuana, still cannabis. If it has less than 0.3, then legally it's called hemp, still cannabis. So this uh, cannabis plant has 300, uh, 300 or so plant chemicals called phytochemicals, and about 100 of those are called cannabinoids. And cannabinoids are, to your endocannabinoid system in your body, what insulin is. Um, and so, for example, in in the uh, 1970s and 80s, they started doing research, and they actually discovered this system in the body that had uh, evaded detection for a long time. It's as ubiquitous and important as the immune system, and it is called the endocannabinoid system. And it's a system in your body that makes cannabinoids, just like in the cannabis plant. And then it has receptors all over your body that 
that receive the cannabinoids and uh, do different things. And one of the cannabinoids called CBD, uh, which is just one of the 100, um, it, it cannot get you high. Actually, 99 of them don't get you high. One of the cannabinoids, THC, can, get, can give you the euphoric feeling of being high. So anyway, one of the other 99 is, is um, CBD. And the CBD, uh, mo- the, the molecules, the cannabinoids that you produce in your body every day, all the time, are acting on these receptor sites um, called endocannabinoid receptors to balance your body. And so if you, if you define disease the way the medical establishment does, which is any system or function of the human body that remains chronically uh, malfunctioning, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether it's the skin or, or some pr- process in your mind, anything that just malfunctions on an ongoing basis is labeled a disease, this or that disease. And so what the endocannabinoid system does is it helps to bring systems in the body out of a disease state, mentally, physically, uh, by balancing them. So you can think of the endocannabinoid system as the master harmonizer, right? That balances how two or more systems in your body talk to one another. And that's why it's getting so much press and becoming, quite frankly, a movement right now in America because the drug pharma, the pharmaceuticals are causing more harm than good. I think we had about 45,000 people last year die from prescription opioid use. Wow, 45,000 people. Right. So how can, how can so many people die from prescription drugs? Well, I mean, it's, uh, many of them are extremely um, dangerous. And so pharmaceuticals should only be used as a last resort, not a first resort. Right. And so where, the, where there is a safe plant molecule that has little to no side effects that really should be your go-to option, and you and you go to the surgery, you go to drugging and cutting, as a last resort. And that's really not the way it is, is it? I mean, the first right. resort for people is to go get a script. You're feeling you feeling the blues, go get a script for some Prozac. Easy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It just it's just so sad that we've come to this place where you know where we're just after drugs all the time well you talk about inflammation because inflammation is central to so many of our issues let's talk about inflammation why is this become such an issue and how can cbd counter that well let me have some fun with words here and use metaphors. So let, let's, let's kind of get a deeper aspect of what inflammation is. Um, so think about, think about inflammation as a part of your body uh, that is scared and nervous. And so that part of your body is in a fight or flight mode. And what happens is a loop can form where the chemical processes that cause uh, that start feeding on themselves that is you can get you can you can you can have a part of your body that's stressed and then it starts becoming a feedback loop and so people can get hyperallergenic you know they can they can they can 
uh, become hypersensitive to chemicals in the environment, right? Very, very sensitive people because their systems are freaking out, right? So they have a, a nervous immune system, a nervous, you know, system, uh, inflammatory system, and so on. And so nowadays, um, we're living a very um, unnatural life. I think the human species is 500,000 uh, to 1 million years old, depending on the anthropological theory. So that took a long time for us to evolve the beautiful symphony of chemical and, and, and nutritional profiles in our body and the amount of rest. So here's how we're built to live as primates. We're built to be laying around for most of the day and then to only hop into action sometimes right? Mm. Uh, if you just look at primates in nature, you'll see that they're, they're relaxing a lot of the time, like cats. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not how we, uh, we operate. We operate um, almost with 24-7 uh, turned on. And, and the relaxation that we have after a hard day's work, after six hours of sleep, probably poor sleep, and uh, then we're having this stressful day. We're honking through traffic. We're dealing with stressful stuff at work. And then we come home and we watch Game of Thrones. And our, and our body and mind doesn't necessarily know the difference at a subconscious level in the body between a scary, dangerous action movie and the real thing. So even, even the consumption of data and inner information constantly being on our iPhones, constantly on. We're not built for that. And so it's all unprecedented. It's a grand experiment. Even only 50 years ago, it wasn't like this. So what, what is going to happen to us and what's happening to us now because of this experiment of just overloading us with input? And that's at the mental level and, the, and sleeping and functions like that. And then what about at the chemical level? So while the government tries to protect us by testing small amounts of a preservative or a pesticide in our foods, and then they say, well, in a controlled study at that small dosage, we can have evidence that it doesn't do any harm. Right. But, what, but what they never do in the test is they never take all of the thousands of different micro, micro doses of these poisonous chemicals and add them all up and see what that does in in totality for the human organism and right. so we're getting getting more people sick more people depressed more cancer incident than at any time and nobody's even sure what's causing it because if it's a confluence of thousands of environmental you know contributors then no no medical study is going to ever be able to sort untangle all of that so the best thing to do is one of two options <laughs> so either either go back to a calm lifestyle like an agrarian lifestyle where you're kind of out of the rat race and you don't have the stress and you disconnect from too much you know social media and whatnot so I don't want to do that. I love being part of the social media. I love watching Game of Thrones. I love to be on all the time. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to eat as healthy as possible, organic, exercise, doing my best there. But I still have an unnatural level of 
of you can call it stress, but it's just the action, right? All right. of this action coming at us. Um, and so I take about 40 milligrams of CBD a day. And since I've been doing that, it um, seems to calm down a nervous system from my inflammatory systems, right, to my immune system. It seems to do what, what the medical literature discusses with the, what the endocannabinoid system does, and it, it, smooth, it relaxes it, it smooths it out so that you can come out of the disease state. And in the mind, it increases the percentage of mindfulness brain waves. So your mindfulness brain waves are your alpha brain waves and to some extent your theta brain waves. Your beta brain waves, which you can jack up with a scary movie or a, a nice cup of Starbucks, you can jack up your beta. Uh, that is not associated with mindfulness. That's for an emergency uh, and, sh and you shouldn't be in high beta very often, but most people are. So the CBD is like meditation in a, in a pill. It, 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 as a natural plant molecule and a, and a cannabinoid that your body already manufactures, it feeds that to your endocannabinoid system, which then increases the percentage of alpha brain waves, the mindfulness brain waves, and it tends to give you stronger creativity as measured on uh, tests, on standardized creativity tests. It tends to uh, calm the mind to be more strategic and um, in more of a flow state of thought. And do you take the uh, 40 milligrams in an oil or is it in a pill form? What form is it in? Oh, uh, well, I usually take it in a uh, pill form and uh, sometimes I'll take it in a, in a chocolate bar. So there are, there are a lot of, uh, it doesn't matter how you take it. So people are putting CBD into gummies, they're, you know, gummy bear candies, they're putting it into beverages, coffee is an interesting way that people are taking it and then uh, you can put it on your skin. Um, I had a, I had a arthritic pain that flared up in my left wrist yesterday and I opened one of the capsules and I just put the oil there and within 15 minutes, uh, the inflammation just completely went to, to zero. I couldn't feel any pain, it was back to normal. So is this legal everywhere in North America or is it only legal in a few places? What are the, what are the legalities of this? Well, it's a little bit confusing. Um, yeah. uh, so we have um, state laws that, that can have their own rules about it. And so you could have one state say that it's legal, one state that it's not. But mm -hmm. up until um, earlier this year, it was federally illegal, whether the states, regardless of what the state said. And so in 1970, um, the Controlled Substances Act mm -hmm. was um, signed into law. And that um, had a, a, a three schedules, five schedules actually of drugs. And the higher up it was in the number, the more jail time and the more serious the crime. And... Um, so the, the highest level, which was called Schedule 1, was for the really terrible, you know, drugs like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, crack cocaine or heroin, these, this level of drugs. Then you had the next levels down. And um, so anyway, for some reason, 
uh, this plant that has never killed anybody in any dose um, was so over the top demonized that they put it on the, uh, the schedule one list. So since 1970, people have been serving jail terms in prisons for decades just for having this plant, you know, for tr to treat their, their PTSD or to use recreationally. Um, but anyway, so then what happened is they, it was the whole plant, even if it could not get you high. So remember, if it has less than 0.3% THC, which is next to nothing, mm -hmm. it, no matter how much you, you take, you can't get high. So, so even the plant that had n virtually no THC, the one called hemp, was also on the Schedule 1 list. So you could have this plant called hemp that people would grow rope, make for ropes, you know, for centuries, and you could have that and you can go to jail for 10 years if the DEA caught you with it because it was on the schedule one. So anyway, it got taken off the schedule one list effectively when Trump signed this bill uh, called the 2008, the Industrial Hemp Farming Act of 2018. And when that was signed into law by a virtually unanimous vote, 98% or so of Congress, um, it instantly uh, made it uh, no longer a crime to grow hemp at the federal level. So what's happening now is there's confusion about the molecule CBD. And right. uh, so technically, you can't just take out the CBD and sell that alone. Because, but you can take the hemp plant and and just take out the fibers and the water and the waxes. And then what you're left with is, is this resinous extract. And that extract, if it's from a species of hemp that contains a lot of CBD, could contain up to 50% CBD. And a lot of people think that the other plant chemicals work synergistically with it and that it's good to have them all together. I see. So if you started to take this, how long would it take till you noticed a difference in, in yourself? Well, uh, about a half an hour. Oh, oh, even just with one dose in a half an hour, you would start to feel an effect. Yes. So as I mentioned yesterday, in about 15 minutes, the inflammation pain in my arthritic wrist uh, just completely stopped hurting. And it had been hurting for hours and hours before that. And so Within 15 minutes, that pain stopped. Um, when you take it, um, the mental feeling, as I was mentioning, how it increases the ratio of the mindful wavelengths called, called theta and alpha. And so as that CBD hits your bloodstream and then acts on your endocannabinoid system, it, within, within not very many minutes, it'll start shifting you to a higher state of, of theta brainwaves, and you will literally score higher on an intelligence test that measures creative intelligence on standardized tests. This, this is in some published um, medical journals. So it makes your brain work better. It makes your brain work better if you're in the business of solving problems, synthesizing two or more ideas into a third new idea. Um, if you're if you're doing something where you're trying to just do arithmetic problems like balancing your checkbook maybe the creativity is not the creative intelligence is not as necessary
Right, I see. Well, my dog, I have a Westie, and my Westie has a tumor that's pressing on her bladder, and I went to the pet store, and they said, well, we have this. We have CBD oil, and we've found that you know, so many of our of our customers' pets have benefited from this, and you should, you know, you might want to try it. So, I did, and one of the first things that I noticed after giving this to my dog was that um, her cognitive ability changed. Like she had been, she seemed like she was a little bit dozy, a little bit confused. We'd put her outside, and she'd kind of wander off, and we thought, "Is this just old age? Like, what is this?" And then we started giving her the CBD oil, and she just sharpened right up. It it yeah. changed. So that makes yeah. sense to you then? Yeah, I'm giving it in the last six months. I've been giving it to my three dogs, okay. and um, we have a family friend who has this dog that had one lame leg so it was like a three-legged dog but the fourth leg was lame and uh, this was an old old this is an old dog about 13 years old or so Uh and anyway so then because our family is talking about cbd all the time they tried it they gave um their dog chippy uh cbd and now the dog is walking on all four legs wow it's amazing, you know. Uh, we haven't, you know, truth is, we haven't scratched the surface on how helpful this plant molecule is going to turn out to be. One medical doctor said that it treats over 20,000 different disease conditions. Because remember, if we define a disease as a system of the body that's malfunctioning because it's out of balance with its, within itself or with other systems, then if we can bring it back into balance, right, have the two systems talk to each other efficiently, then what happens is the malfunction goes away and the disease goes away. Right. Well, uh, Dr. Dr. Gary Richter is, is someone who you interviewed for your book, and I had him on my show as well, episode number 247, and we talked about the use of of CBD with him and yeah he he totally agrees with you that it can make such a big difference but there were so many things that you talked about in this book that I found fascinating like like you brought up the topic of Galileo near the beginning and how Galileo did all this research and then he was chastised for it by the church we're still suffering from different kinds of political fallout in our society right yeah, we are. It's, um, you know, as, as a wealthy white American, I can look back at history and admit that wealthy white male Americans have not always done uh, justice, right, to treating, treating others in our, in our nation fairly. And so you have to look and you have to say, wait a minute, let me get this straight. So, Cannabis has no LD50. So LD50 is, is a measurement that we use scientifically with pharmaceuticals and other, other you know, substances. So they'll give a rabbit or some you know, animal a substance, like a chemical, a preservative, a pharmaceutical, and they'll keep giving it to them until they die. And so the LD50 is the dose of a, of a, of a harmful substance. It's 50% of the dose of the harmful substance. So there is no LD50 for marijuana, which means nobody in history has ever died from ingesting marijuana in any quantity. It just, it's like potatoes. 
you can't die from eating too many potatoes, right? And so similarly, um, this safe substance that doesn't cause any diseases, it's known to cure many diseases. And it, it also, interestingly enough, does not have an addiction chemical mechanism. So you can't get chemically addicted to it. And so why did the plant, because, the, because when it has THC, it gets you high, but why did the plant become so medical researchers were blocked from doing research, which they were pissed about because the medical community has known that in this plant, there's a treasure trove of plant molecules that can treat things from cancer to glaucoma and on and on. And they were blocked in America from being able to even do research on it. Why? And so the reason might be because of racism, maybe, and maybe other things. What the story of it is, is fascinating to me. So the government in America has known that people of color, right? Mexicans that lived here in, in the 1920s and black people that were sharecroppers. So they actually didn't have enough money to alter their consciousness recreationally uh, with the white man's choice of drug at that time, which was alcohol, right? right so right. a good respectable citizen would, would maybe have a couple uh, bourbons in the evening, right? And they would get tipsy. Uh -huh. And uh, tipsy is, to me, I've been tipsy and I've, and I've been intoxicated on uh, cannabis. And it's, uh, it's not much, I mean, you're tipsy, your consciousness is altered, okay? Uh -huh. and, and, and so anyway, so what happened is they didn't make it illegal. It was well, well known. It wasn't a problem because that's them. They're using it. And then what happened is in the 1960s, the, the college-age children of the white elite decided that they wanted to become intoxicated not on the drug of choice of their fathers because it was a rebellious era. So they decided to get intoxicated on the drug of choice of people of color, right? And it was more interesting, Native Americans, things like that. And as soon as that happened, it trucked along for a couple years in the 60s. And by 1970, they put the hammer down and they said, now they've gone now it's gone too far now 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 the 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 white kids are using it and that's unacceptable so we're going to put it on the schedule 1 list and it was a bit of a overreaching freak out for no it wasn't as a scientist i can just tell you i don't think that the government should make alcohol illegal just because it kills millions of people it does have a chemical addiction mechanism it gives you dozens of known diseases and it leads to bar fights. I still don't think it should be illegal because the job of the government is not to be our father. It's, you know, to set up a society that works. And, but I do think crack cocaine maybe should be illegal, right? So, so, I, so clearly, marijuana never was at the threshold of damage to, to disease or society. But it really blocked this CBD revolution from happening it, this could have happened 20 years ago because we discovered this endocannabinoid system, as I mentioned, as we got into the mid-1980s, it was well known. And at that point, we could have started studying the, the non-psychoactive components of this plant. And, um, and, and, and thank goodness it happened this year. But my goodness, to wait all the way until 2019, you know, it was, was a travesty.
Well, it's a long time to wait, but there was certainly wasn't was the government not um, intent on pushing this away from the public even eighty years ago. This has been an eighty-year thing, isn't that right? Well, what they did um, eighty years ago is they created a tax disincentive, so it was more like a financial punishment that effectively killed the hemp growing industry. Um, and, uh, but it wasn't something where you would go to jail, right? If you were caught with the plant. Um, and then it, but in 1970, that's when everything changed. I see. So, so 80 years ago, that's just what turned people against it. And people started to feel that it was a, a bad thing to do. And, and yeah, so on. Is that right? yeah. You remember, we have all seen those funny uh, TV commercials from the 1950s, those black yes. and white reefer madness, right? Yeah. And then we lived through the Nancy Reagan era, you know, and, um, you know, it, it's, it, again, it, people have to be critical thinkers. Drugs in a society can be uh, crushingly detrimental. As I mentioned, 45 a thousand Americans died last year from prescription opioid use, and these deadly drugs are being given away so freely by doctors. It's as though the doctors are handing out prescriptions like candy to trick or treaters on Halloween, and it, and and they're trigger happy with it. And a, a, a prescription opioid should be used with great reverence and care, and and not given very often because it, you can start feeling the demon of addiction within a week, right? If you ever get a prescription for something from the, after a surgery, you start feeling that pull of the addiction right off the bat. Your tolerance starts dropping real, real early on. Um, they're very, very dangerous. So yeah, I think, you know, I think that, that we should probably try to obliterate opioid use in the medical establishment and find another alternative that helps with pain that's not uh, so dangerous. Well, Clee, I think some of my listeners might say to you, but but Clee, like people can get high in marijuana and they can do crazy things. They can be in car accidents. They can be killed. There can be, you know, detrimental results as a result of that. And I'm sure there has been. What would you say to that? I would say, uh, you know, if, if, if you're going to use marijuana, do so uh, with, intelligence be an adult about it not a teenage minded person and if you're going to drink alcohol go ahead have two glasses of wine you know with your wife at dinner but maybe agree that she doesn't have two glasses of wine because she's going to drive home and so the same thing with marijuana if you if you're if you're if you've used so much marijuana that you're you're very tipsy well then maybe don't drive right right and so the substance itself, you say, isn't addictive. But as humans, we become addicted to the results. Is that then what happens? Because, I mean, we've all heard of people that, that seem as though they're addicted to, to pot. Is that tr- not true? Well, yeah, good, excellent question. Um, so the first part, I'll just talk about the chemical mechanism of addiction. So there's a chemical, complicated chemical pathway and drugs that are addictive are addictive. So aspirin, for example, is not addictive, right? Opioids are. Uh, marijuana is not. Alcohol is. So, it, so some things have a chemical pathway that creates, you know, for example, when you see somebody in a movie getting off of uh, heroin, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're sweating. They're gnashing teeth. That's real. I mean, their whole body is just in shock, just just dying inside because because the chemical pathway of the addiction process is being messed with. It's trying to be killed or broken. Uh, there is no there is no such chemical pathway of addiction with cannabis. Now, habitually, um, you know, I have one of my closest relatives suffers from depression. Mm-hmm. And so they've treated their depression with alcohol. They've treated their depression with opioids. Um, and uh, other people try to treat their depression uh, with marijuana. Um, or other people try to treat it with excessive things like becoming, you know, addicted to danger or sex or whatever. Right. So, um, so yeah, a person who is using, is using it to escape, right. As opposed to face their issue, deal with it, release the pain, right. And have a mindfulness practice if you just take the shortcut and try to get drunk or high on marijuana, that's not necessarily solving the problem. So uh, one of the things that I found fascinating, you talked about a woman named Sarah Daniels. And uh, wow, it was very interesting. She said uh, she decides every morning before her run whether she'll take CBD. And she says that cannabis can increase your ability to be present with your body and to let go of the cognitive stress that's hard to get away from so that you can exercise more successfully. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I've been using, um, I've been using cannabis with my stretching and uh, Qigong exercises because it helps me to be mindfully focused on the micro movements of a stretch or the quality of my inhalation and exhalation. Um, it really, it really does, uh, help physical exercise. It's interesting. I haven't used it for cardio like she has, but I've, I know that there's a lot of athletes like distance bicyclists and others that find that it really helps them with their sport. Right. And, and there are patches available as well, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, patch is a good way because it, it gives a slow, steady, distributed um, kind of dose all day long. So, Clee, I, I know that uh, you're passionate about getting the message out there, but is there, are there any other reasons why you wrote this book? What was your, what was your motive? Well, I have a, th- I have a, sociopolitical viewpoint that, you know, the, the, the subtitle of my book is sick, stressed, and all effed up is CBD the cure. And so uh, one of the, one of the surprising facts that we mention in the book is that Americans at four and a half percent of the global population are consuming 75% of the world's prescription opioids, amphetamines, and antidepressants. So let's step back and think about that. Why? Why would would about 5% of the world be consuming three quarters of the world's manufactured pharmaceuticals? Well, part of the reason is that the doctors and the medical establishment are trigger happy. There's a little bit too much collusion and coziness between 
the multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical companies and their salespeople and doctors. And there's a little bit too much coziness between their lobbyists and our Congress people who are supposed to protect us. Other European nations don't allow, there's laws that prevent such coziness. So that's part of it. Um, the other part is that we've got a broken medical system financially. We don't, it's still not resolved. We don't know what's really, what's going to happen with the whole, uh, you know, Medi Medicare crisis, the aging population, the rising costs of health insurance. So it's all um, a bit scary. And so it's hard it's hard in a system when the financial structure of the medical uh, community, the medical system in America, the healthcare crisis, to actually go back to holistic practices where we don't take the cheap way out by just giving people more drugs. And instead, we try to heal their lifestyles, bring them in, bring more people who are suffering from depression or anxiety or PTSD, bring them into mindfulness practices. But that's expensive. Writing yes, a prescription for Prozac is takes the doctor all of three seconds, right? Right, right. And and so it's a bit of a catch twenty two, in my opinion. So, but but other than that, other than the financial aspect of a broken medical system and a weird set of laws that have a lot of collusion between big pharma and our government and our doctors, what else is different about America? Uh, socially that would make us have more psychological problems, the highest rate of diabetes in the world. Like, why are we so sick mentally and physically? Uh, part of it is because, if, I mean, those listeners who have spent any time on vacation in Europe or other places in the world, you might notice if you've traveled a bit that people seem to be more balanced in other places. Like I spent a week in Italy, in a big city in Italy a few years ago, and I was really taken aback by how it was a modern city, but people made eye contact. They, uh -huh. they spoke a little bit more thoughtfully and they were more honest, present. They enjoyed their food more. They just calmed down and just savored the food it seemed to be a nice balance between their work and their and their entertainment and their you know and their educational mm -hmm. it was balanced and then i came back here and i saw i noticed the contrast i never noticed the contrast because it was it's no i grew up here so it seems normal but it, i think right. we i think we, i think as a nation we're we're on 24/7 we're we're too mental we're not we're not taught to feel our emotions and be mindful of what's going on in our body. We're disconnected. And I also believe there's one extra bonus factor. We uh, practice and, and preach the philosophy of themism in this country. Not all of us, but when you're constantly talking about the Mexicans coming over the border to take our jobs and the Chinese are going to, get our, our, our place at the throne of world dominance. And then this group and that group, internal right. groups, external groups. And, and what happens when you're always focused on the fear is yes. you send your body into an inflammatory fight or flight response, whether you like it or not, because it's subconscious. And you tell your body and your mind that danger is around every corner, boogeymen are everywhere. Instead of looking more at the glass half full, and being positive and dealing with problems in a very, 
optimistic and positive way, the fear-based stuff that our politicians get away with, because I have a funny feeling that a lot of our politicians, they don't believe as much of the fear propaganda that they run campaigns on oh, yeah. as, their, as their voters do. It's a bit manipulative. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so you put all that together and, and you got a recipe for disaster. You got a country that's more mentally screwy because we're, we're, we're feeding off of fear and Fox News kind of right, fear, right. And, and, we're, and, and we're super unhealthy. We're not balanced with our life and our, you know, we're not like Europeans and, 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 and we're writing too much prescriptions. It, something's got to give. And so I was motivated. I got I to gotta admit to you, first of all, that I've been selling plant molecules, herbal, herbal medicines, at my company, Irwin Naturals, for most of my adult life, 26 years. And I've seen a lot of miraculous plants and, and, and that we've marketed them and they helped people. I have never in all my years in this industry seen anything remotely close to this particular plant molecule, CBD. It is as close to a miracle thing that I have ever seen. So I, I started putting two, to two, two and two together, and I thought, well, since I've been using CBD, I'm more mindful. I think about what I say more. I'm more sensitive to my coworkers and my family members, and I'm starting to get more mindfully sensitive to my body and the flows and the rhythms, and it's really helping me. I have kind of an ADD style of of mindset. And even at one point in the past, I was taking an ADD uh, medication called Adderall. And I stopped taking that about 10 years ago. And about two years ago, I started taking CBD. And it helps me to it helps me with the ADD, which people with ADD, they don't like to focus on that, which bores them. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad disease, unless you have to focus on boring things like I do in my business as a CEO. Sometimes have to read a 32-page legal contract. It's very boring. So, so with ADD, just not going to want to do that. So, but, with the, but with the CBD, I can just take a deep breath and just flow through the contract, even though it's not mentally stimulating for me. And um, so if you think about a nation who's kind of on the edge, a, a, a nervous nation, for lack of a better way to say it, CBD will help calm a nervous nation and you don't want a nervous nation because things can go to hell in a handbasket quite quickly. Well, I find it fascinating talking with you and I feel like I could go on and on and on, but I, I want to ask you about bullying because I've worked in that field for so long. Have you ever been bullied or have you ever been a bully or do you have a story for us about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Well, I, I haven't been a bully, but okay, sure. Okay. I've been a bully mentally at times, like let's say in the past before, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I could just get too revved up too much caffeine. I'm pushing my employees too hard and you can push your ideas too hard instead of being gentle and being in a feedback loop. You can insist or push too hard. You can sell too hard. So a mental bully. CBD helps me to not be a mental bully. Um, as far as a physical bully, yeah, I remember one time in elementary school, there was a physical bully 
And I'll, I'll say, I wish he was on CBD because maybe he wouldn't have bullied me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, as we move forward, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, Clee. The first one is this. Who's one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? There's a person named Justin Rosenstein, who is one of the early uh the early employees at Facebook and Google, he, Justin Rosenstein is the guy who invented the thumbs up like button on uh, Facebook. Oh, yeah. And so I watched a talk that he gave about uh, love in business. So as a, as a CEO, um, this whole idea about mo- doing business for love, not money, to serve others I had I had never heard that before, and it was so heartfelt. Uh, and he was such, and he was a mindfulness practicer. He was a meditator guy, yoga guy, all this mindful practices. And uh, that was that. He's a hero of mine. Very cool. So, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Well, mindfulness has helped me in my case to feel my emotions. Mm. So, you know, part of what probably helped me succeed when I was running hard and fast to build my company from a, you know, age 26 to about age uh, 44 before I, before I uh, quit business to be a a full-time physicist. The truth is I found myself, I found it for me probably helpful to be unemotional, to be, you know, emotions are things we feel from the neck down. So to not really feel emotion was a way to insulate myself against, you know, any, anything that could hurt me or, or make me feel discouraged, somebody suing you or a problem in the business. Um, I, I think that was an unhealthy way to do it, though, because it would be better to be in touch with your emotions and learn how to, how to live with them and, 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 and accept them and let them flow through you. Um, but... Uh, so I, I think, I think that I noticed that when I take CBD because of the overall mindfulness, the expansion of awareness, I'm, I'm a more aware of my body. Like I can feel my legs. I'm aware of them. I can feel the emotions in my heart or in my gut. And that's a new, that's a new and interesting feeling for me as a person who's lived a life of kind of being insulated from emotion. How is breathing part of your mindfulness? So I've been playing around with my own little, you know, practice. Takes me about 10 minutes and um, it's called Lu Zhong, L-U-J-O-N-G. And I saw it, you know, I learned it and then I've been modifying it. And basically it's just kind of some stretch. It's five, I do five stretching movements but I, I um, time it with my breath. So I do my breath real slow. I try to close the aperture in my throat a little bit so that the velocity of air when I'm breathing in hits my vagus nerve and then that sends a relaxation uh, impulse into my body. And so um, anyway, and, and so I'm playing around with exploring the extent of my inhalation and exhalation. And I never realized I've lived a whole life of breathing shallow, like the way a dog pants, you know, right. and, and I, and that's wrong. And I'm supposed to breathe like a baby breathes fully in and out. 
and down into the stomach. So anyway, I noticed that as soon as I'd start breathing like that, I mean, just in a moment, it shifts my consciousness into this alpha and theta state where all of a sudden I just feel like my, I, I've expanded out, you know, it just from breathing, just, just a few of those kind of breaths. It's, it's like the, it's like a quick emergency way to get yourself into a mindful state. Wow, that's that's great that you shared that with us. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would that be? And of course, your book that you've written, like I already said, Pain Nation, I enjoyed it immensely. And there's a lot of aspects of mindfulness in that book about loneliness, about different aspects of mindfulness too. What other book would you recommend, Clee? Um, I'm embarrassed to say... I, I have not read a lot of mindfulness books, but I've, you know, I've gone, I've gone, you know, to workshops. A lot of what I've discovered with mindfulness, I guess, is stuff. It all started when I started doing this physics full time. You know, once I started that, I, I realized that to do this to do this hard, hard math and physics and this creative thing, trying to find a unification theory of physics, it required a lot of mental power and creativity. And so I started kind of by necessity doing uh, mindful practices. I started eating differently. I started reducing my stress load because then I was coming up with more bril- brilliant insights with my team. And um, so that was my motivation was for the physics. Um, and so a lot of what I've discovered is a bunch of trial and error based on what seems to expand my creative intelligence for my, my physics work. Um, and I'll, I'll say that I've always had a problem with meditating and, and, uh, and that's one that I think is, must be effective because everybody says that it is, but I have, I haven't been able to calm the body-mind system um, in, in a sitting position. Maybe, you know, I have a problem with my, my uh, you know, my hip bone. It's uncomfortable to sit. So that's why I'm finding that this Lujong practice that I'm doing is almost a synthesis of meditating, breath work, and some yogic stretching all in one because it really it really feels meditative. It feels meditative. Like after the, after I do it, I feel like people say that they feel when they've meditated for like 40 minutes. Right, right, right. Um, is there an app which you would recommend that, uh, can help with mindfulness, any kind of app at all? There is an app and I am struggling to take it off the tip of my tongue. It's, um, it's this app that we that we saw at a uh, a conference called Wisdom 2.0, which is a big mindfulness conference that's excellent. And um, this was a really slick app. Like I think it's the biggest app in the mindfulness space, and it had all these different uh, breathing teachers. It's like the best teachers all aggregated on this little app and it's a subscription thing like you pay ten dollars a month or something uh-huh. and i and i'm blanking on it i'll cut in here clee emailed me afterwards and he told me the app is called unplug so check out unplug 
and I'll put it in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. And of course, we can reach you at cleeirwin.com, K-L-E-E, and Irwin is I-R-W-I-N, cleeirwin.com. And uh, yeah, it's been fascinating talking to you. I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about loneliness because that is such a huge issue in our society today. And you believe that CBD can somehow help with that. How can it actually help with loneliness? Well, nobody needs to be lonely in a big city because there are people all around. There are meetups, there are social groups. If you like, you know, your, your dog breed is there's going to be a meetup with people who love those dogs and they so the so why then uh are people so lonely it's because they're cloistered up and they're uh, and they're afraid to open up their hearts and be vulnerable and step out and and do something that's scary like go and meet some new people and and uh so the real question is why are people so afraid Right? Where's all this fear coming from? And um, and uh, and that's probably a, a multi-pronged answer, right? But one of the things comes back to health. If you just start exercising, like you just start swimming three days a week, and you start eating well without doing anything, don't worry about mindfulness. Don't worry about meeting people. Just get one small part of your life healthy, physically. And watch what happens to your sense of fear. You will find that it's difficult to be fearful when you're healthy. And then you'll start trying mental health things, like maybe some of this breath work or things that people learn about on your program. Try some of that and you'll be even less fearful. And then all of a sudden you'll find a year later that you're no longer lonely because you've got people in your life who are loving you and care about you and you love them. Yeah, good point. One last question I wanted to ask you. Why did you decide to use the F word in the title? Because what I noticed was you don't you don't swear anywhere in the book except you did use that word on one page where you referenced the title of the book. What yeah. made you decide? Because um I'm I'm pissed off about what's going on in this country. I I I I look around and I and I love this country. I mean, this country is what helped me as a poor kid to do what I've been able to do in life. And I'm so grateful to be here and it hurts me. And it's so sad that there's a common sense problem right in front of us. I mean, does it make any sense that a one twentieth of the world would be consuming 75% of the prescription drugs? It's like, wake up what's going on. And so I wanted to get people's attention and so in that tagline, sick, stressed, and all effed up, right, is mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted it to shout out from the shelf and express my emotion, you know, that I feel about this. This is no trivial matter. This is our lives. Absolutely. It is our lives. And, uh, yeah, I think we need to do something about the way we're living, about our loneliness, about our lack of community sometimes, about our health. You know, there's so many things that we can do, but we are, some of us, are trapped in this place where we're not very happy. Thank you so much for all you've shared today, Clee, on this interview. It's been awesome to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you take care. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye-bye. 
thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show about the 12 must-read mindfulness books. Any one of these books can definitely change your life just like they have for the featured guests I've had on my show. All of these books have been recommended. They're the 12 most recommended books on Mindfulness Mode. Download this free gift at mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.